0: Hey everyone welcome back to but why though the podcast where we talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question but why though make sure you head over to our facebook facebook.com slash but why though pc and our twitter on instagram at but why we definitely want to get more involved with you all and we want to hear your fan but why those let us know we'll put it up on the website also if you want to support us a little bit more head on over to our patreon there you'll get access to all of our research notes early released episodes, as well as a whole bunch of stuff that I cut out from the episode. So, if you want extra content, go ahead and head over there. And if you subscribe at the $3 level, you also get some merch. And if a monthly subscription is just too much, we also have some t-shirts. Go ahead and get one, send us your picture in it, and we'll post it up on our website. But, we here at But Why Though want you to know that just you listening is as important as it gets. So, share us with your friends, share us with your grandma, share us with whoever you can. Play us while you're at work, and make your entire place listen to us we appreciate it and we love you guys happy halloween today we're going to be talking about a franchise that spans 26 games six live action films four animated movies and a whole bunch of other content it is the pinnacle of horror survival video games it is resident evil as always i'm your host kate and i'm here with little adrian
1: Uh, hey how's it going
0: (laughs) and matt hello so first off Congratulations, Adrian, for being married. Yay. That's
1: the one little Adrian you ever get on this podcast.
0: <laughs> I don't again. know your mom wanted it every episode.
1: No, never again. She is she doesn't make the rules here. I'm married now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So, to start things off with our question, this will be the first of two, because I am going to talk about the games and the movies, and if you're cringing right now, hold it in, I love them, you're going to have to deal with it for a little bit. So, how many games have you played, what's your favorite moment, and which is your favorite game?
2: Are we talking just all game related?
0: Out of Resident Evil. Oh, yeah, game related. Yes, just games.
2: Thank you. I'm glad we're talking all (laughs) Resident Evil.
0: (laughs) Yes, just games.
2: Okay, I'll go first. I played zero games. I played maybe an hour of any of these Resident Evil games. Oh, damn. That's why I asked. Okay. And so I have zero favorite moments, except for the Resident Evil when they kind of did the, uh, I think it was Robot Chicken thing, where they went to Raccoon City with Super Mario and Yoshi getting torn to pieces. That is
1: actually one of the best robot chicken sketches ever.
2: (laughs) So that'll be my favorite moment.
0: I I can't say anything that that's that's a really good sketch. What about you, Adrian?
1: Um, I've played Resident Evil Two and Resident Evil Five and like ten minutes of Resident Evil seven on VR and never again. Uh, I guess, like, if I had a favorite moment, I guess it'd be something I've talked about on the podcast before. Uh, I was playing Resident Evil 2 with my uncle, and, you know, I just had to be like 2000, maybe. You're playing it on the GameCube, and the dog, the dog scene. That's Resident Evil 2, right? Yeah. The dogs burst through the window when you're going down the hallway, and then we turn it off, and then we never play it again. So I have no idea how that game ended because I was so scared because of that one scene. So so I guess that'd be my favorite moment because it made me stop playing the game because
0: it's in the mansion it's resident evil
1: one i don't know which one it was because i stopped playing the games for (laughs) years after that (laughs) it scarred me
0: that makes sense um so i have played resident evil one resident evil two a little bit of code veronica all of resident evil five like multiple times um that's it, and this is going to be considered like heresy to Resident Evil fans listening to this right now, but that's actually one of my favorite ones. Um, and then, unfortunately, I played parts of Operation Raccoon City and Resident Evil 6 because those were terrible games.
2: I say, I think if you just said Resident Evil 6 is your favorite game, game that might have been bad. Oh, no,
0: people hate Resident Evil 5.
2: Have you seen
0: how bad well, 6 know, was? Well, I know, but... Okay, 6 isn't divisive. Everybody can agree that 6 is trash. Well,
2: that's what I'm saying. So if you actually accept
0: 6, then... Mm, Okay. That makes sense. Um, I've also played a whole bunch of a lot of them. I've played parts of Outbreak. I've played parts of Umbrella Chronicles. I've played parts of Mercenaries. um, And there are some of these games that I didn't know existed, and I like to consider myself a pretty big Resident Evil fan. Oh, and Resident Evil 4. I've played Resident Evil 4. I don't know why I didn't say that. Um, Because I've played the majority of the series. Um, At least continuity-wise, because a lot of these games, as you'll see, are thrown in as extras. Or, as Matt said in Assassin's Creed, money grabs. Um, and I will eat all of the crow because I gave Assassin's Creed so much stuff for its naming schemes and some of the other things and Resident Evil is way worse.
2: I'll say it literally says three, <laughs> then there's like five games before they even get to four. Yep. And then like from five to six. And then there's six,
0: remakes and director's cuts and ones that are technically not remakes but have some extra stuff in it to make it into a new platform
2: The day before of, like, uh, exclusive content?
0: Yeah. So we're going to get into that all right now. I will be leading us through the mansion tonight. And, uh, yeah, I just felt like doing something spooky, and Resident Evil is awesome. So here we go.
2: Well, please don't scar us for life, because Adrian's already been scarred once. Oh,
0: crap! I forgot my favorite moment. My favorite moment is actually the dogs as well because of the very reason adrian gave i mean i sat through the rest of the game after that but that was the first time i realized a video game could scare the crap out of me and i've talked on the podcast before i love horror i love scary things and those dogs are extremely terrifying
1: uh. not fun for me for the <laughs> opposite reasons of not liking being scared and it scarring me for life so opposite spectrum
0: and that's why this is a good podcast.
2: I don't like survival horror games or zombies.
0: Ah, this is true. Damn it. So, I'm the only one porting these games?
2: You go ahead and report support all 26 of those games. I can't
0: I can't in good <laughs> conscience support all 26 of those games. <laughs> um so The game-slash-franchise is known as Biohazard in Japan. It is a survival horror game media franchise created by Shinji Mikami and Takuro Fujiwara through Capcom and originated on the PlayStation before it ended up being ported over to many, 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 many different platforms at different times. The success of Resident Evil 1 led to the production of two more games in 98 and 99, and then caused Resident Evil 2 to be ported over to the N64, which then led to a port of all three, um, one, two, and three, to Microsoft Windows, and then the fourth game was developed exclusively for the Dreamcast in 2000, and then that also received ports. By the way,
2: Dreamcast is by far the most underrated console and platform ever
0: i think gamecube is
2: no i love the dreamcast just because they got sued because they tried a copy and they lost all their stuff and you could burn all their games illegally which was really cool but so that's why you like the dreamcast it was cool i like it <laughs> first time they had internet <laughs> I, in love, I love,
1: and i love when matt shows his age on the <laughs> podcast
2: i loved my dreamcast <laughs> i bought it when there was a toys r us for my birthday there's still Do you like your atari races? too i have played a guitar atari 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 by the way i actually did like atari it's pretty fun but i wasn't a big fan of the mash game that apparently everybody liked but still
0: i didn't know there was a mash game
1: again matt with his mash
0: <laughs> <laughs> fun facts of fun mash facts with matt matt mash facts
2: haven't watched that much mash <laughs>
0: Um, So, as I was saying, it was developed exclusively for the Dreamcast in 2000, that then received ports, and then Code Veronica was ported with changes to to the Dreamcast, but then the new version of Code Veronica with these changes was then ported again to the PS2. So the reason I am telling you all of this really convoluted development history is because that is the entirety of how the Resident Evil series goes. Um, it is everywhere and there are multiple versions of these games floating around. So my Resident Evil 1 experience might not be Adrian's, might not, well you didn't play, but if Matt had played, might not be Matt's, because depending on what system we played it on and depending on what time we came into the franchise, that will determine which one of these ports we got to play. I can say I did get to play or watch being played the first Resident Evil on the PlayStation, so I'm very happy for that. So in 2002, the game was made Game... And this is, like, my follow-up because it's really freaking weird. What? I'm sorry. What was that, Adrian?
1: Oh, I was going to say something about me playing Resident Evil on game- GameCube, <laughs> but then Kate kept going, so I was like, oh, shit.
2: Because <laughs> it looked like you was saying, say that, and then he's like... This, like, I'm screwed. like, i going to take a drink and... And I was like, I was like oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I was just trying I was just trying. I i I was just trying to participate. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it looked like, like I'm just gonna play this off, act like I'm gonna screw <laughs> my drink real fast. How is it how is playing Resident Evil
0: One on the
1: game? It was really great until the doc scene. <laughs> 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 That's all I remember playing it. But it was really good. I mean I, I I'm with you. I love the GameCube. I think it's one of the most underrated consoles ever. And I didn't, I didn't know that there was different ports on it. So I didn't know that the PlayStation version was different than the GameCube version. So not that I'd be interested to go back and play because I'm never playing that game ever again. But <laughs> I'm glad our experiences were different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even though they were both different, we still got scared of the same part. So I guess that's what really matters for exactly. for this game.
0: In a lot of them, specifically Code Veronica and some of the other ones, they had like extended scenes, different uh, different gameplay and um, different mechanics So you kind of see it as like they do one game and then they'd kind of edit it to make it better and then release that one exclusively and then release that back on the one that it was on before (laughs) is probably the easiest way to put it. So I do have
2: a question. Do you think this is because it's a Japanese type game? Like a a developer? Or do you think this is just because it's Resident Evil and these people decided to do this?
0: See, I don't know necessarily. I think the fact that so if you look at all of the systems that they're jumping ports through they are all japanese companies so i think once microsoft comes on this on the scene it does make that exclusive like exclusivity to one of the consoles and this is also when there were a whole bunch of consoles floating around at the same time so um i if you're listening, I don't know if you know, but the PS2 was well was active, and games were still being produced and printed for the PS2 well into the P, uh, PS3's heyday, and that actually ended up hurting Sony really bad and almost killing the PS3 yep. when they finally had to stop making it. So I would I would lean more towards the fact that it's a Japanese franchise moving within um, one moving before console wars and to moving amongst other Japanese gaming systems. That's what I would kind of put that as. Because um, I don't think we really see it happen a lot in other, other places. Plus, it's Capcom, so it's not something that's directly linked to PlayStation or Nintendo. Right. Um, so they have that ability to do that. I sounded smart, guys.
1: Yeah, that sounded like a, yeah. You you played you played video games and <laughs> yeah, no phase. It sounded really good. I like that.
0: Yeah. No one's going to call me a fake gamer girl again. Okay. So, back to GameCube exclusivity. So, in 2002, the series was made um, was made GameCube exclusive and included a remake of Resident Evil 1, which is what you played, Adrian. A prequel game and Resident Evil 4. All of it, which were on that console with the last Resident Evil money being held at... Or, why did I put the money sign? I don't Are know. That that's what I was when
2: I was like, did you get into money grabs? It's the four.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the last one, Resident Evil 4, often being held as the pinnacle of the Resident Evil games. Um, this is kind of divisive just because you have a big shift in gaming mechanics and gameplay, but it was seen, it is pretty much overwhelmingly understood as a change in the franchise, and critically, it's accepted as the height. Um, so, all of these were on that console and then they did really well and then game uh capcom was like we don't want to keep it exclusive anymore so we're gonna port it all to windows and the ps2 and the wii and then hd versions were also made accessible for the ps3 and the 360 but the fact that it extended those gamecube exclusives to these other platforms it then opened up the contract to let all of these other titles that weren't available on the gamecube to suddenly be available on the gamecube so essentially as convoluted as this system is it benefits the player in the long run because it means whatever system you have at the end of the day at this point, you can play all the games in the series at that time. So it was also able to double dip when it comes to producing sequels after Resident Evil 4. And so I believe the way the contract was structured was it couldn't produce any games outside of the ones that were made exclusively for the GameCube within their contract that went within the series. So what Capcom did was they released sequels exclusively on the PS2 that weren't direct sequels. And you're looking at stuff uh, that like uh, Umbrella Chronicles and stuff like that that don't really fit. Um, into the story neatly. And it was kind of like their loophole. So that's all the development history I'm gonna give because I thought it was really interesting. And if I went further, I would just end up getting lost myself. So, quick rundown of the games. There are 26 of them produced from 1996 to 2017. You have Resident Evil, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, Resident Evil Survivor, oh wait, I probably give the years, right? Years are probably important, because some of these are like multiple. Okay, so 1996, you have the start of the series with Resident Evil. 1997, you have Resident Evil Director's Cut which is a longer version of the first game. And in 1998, you have Resident Evil 2, 99, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. 2000, you have two games, Resident Evil Survivor and Resident Evil Code Veronica, which Code Veronica is actually held as one of the top games as well. Um, 2002, you have the Resident Evil 1 remake. Then you also have Resident Evil Zero that same year, which is a prequel. Then you have in 2003, Resident Evil Dead Aim and Resident Evil Outbreak. 2004, you have Resident Evil Outbreak File Number Two. 2005, Resident Evil Four. 2007, Resident Evil The Umbrella Chronicles. 2009, Resident Evil Five, as well as Resident Evil The Dark Side Chronicles. 2011, Resident Evil Mercenaries Versus and Resident Evil Mercenaries 3D, 2012 you have Resident Evil Revelations, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, and Resident Evil 6, and that is probably why Resident Evil 6 is a terrible pile of garbage. And in 2015 you have Resident Evil Revelations 2, 2016 Umbrella Corps, and in 2017 Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. I'm going to drink my water because that was a long list.
2: You can't ever make fun of Assassin's Creed.
0: I will never make fun of Assassin's Creed again.
2: It's a lot of games, and a
1: lot of them sound fake.
0: Also true. (laughs) Yes. And these are also not the Japanese titles, either, um, because the series is biohazard there.
2: Fun fact, you skipped 2001, by the way.
0: Did I skip 2001? Oh, yeah. In 2001, you have Resident Evil Gaiden and Resident Evil Survivor 2 Code Veronica. That is also in there. Um, And then there's also games for like the Game Boy Color and re-releases on the PS Vita. And it goes everywhere. Like this franchise is in everything.
2: Can I play it on my phone?
0: I believe there is a phone game. But this was enough to cover and I wasn't going to go into all of that. Um, (laughs) Any questions so far?
1: Why is Resident Evil Six bad?
0: It's a really big rush job with a lot of drops in story, uh, mechanics, and gameplay. So pretty much across the board.
2: I think at one time it had like a seventeen rating.
0: Yeah.
1: Cool. Just curious. I've thi- never played it, so.
0: Yeah, think Assassin's Creed Unity, but a little worse. A little. A lot worse. <laughs>
2: That's fair. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, for those of you who have not played a Resident Evil series, I'm going to run through the story. And this story only has to do with the games titled Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, and 0. So the main storyline of games primarily concern a group of individuals who battle against the Umbrella Corporation as well as characters in relation to them who have developed the T-Virus, among other things, can, can transform humans into zombies, as well as mutate other creatures into horrifying monsters. So the plot of the main installments up to the third game are all concerned with a T virus outbreak in the Arklay Mountains, and it's spreading to nearby Raccoon City. And this is what is, this is one story arc. So this is all classified as um, like, it's Raccoon City and then post-Raccoon City. So in this storyline, you have um, 1986's Resident Evil 1 for the PlayStation, and this follows Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine, my girl, who become trapped in a mansion in the mountains trying to search for the survivors of Bravo Team, a special police unit, STARS, they discover that the mansion conceals the Umbrella Corporation's base where they develop the T-Virus, with their end goal being the creation of a bioweapon known as the Tyrant, for whom the virus is named. Playing as either of the characters, the player must navigate the mansion alternately alternately with the help of Barry Burden or Rebecca Chambers until they are betrayed by Albert Wesker, who was secretly planning to steal the T-Virus. Though appearing to be killed by the tyrant, Wesker survived and masterminded some later events behind the shadows. Resident Evil 2 follows a few months after the events of the first game when rats start infecting the population of Raccoon City with the T-Virus, playing alternately as Chris Re... Chris Redfield, the sister of, uh, uh, sorry, playing alternately as Claire Redfield, the sister of Chris from the first game, or Leon Kennedy, a rookie police officer, starting on the day of the outbreak, the players must find and escape from the city while at the same time confronting the mad scientist, William, William Birkin. In Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, set both before and after the events of the second game, we follow Jill Valentine's escape from Raccoon City while being pursued by another Umbrella bioweapon, the Nemesis T-Type. And this plot concludes with the sterilization of Raccoon City by a nuclear strike. So I'm going to stop right here. Go ahead.
2: So by sterilization by nuclear strike, does that mean they just killed everybody?
0: They made a big hole. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to stop right here for a second because this is where we break to go into past, into post-Raccoon City, and I want you to think of everything I just said and everything I'm about to say, and kind of think of some of the things you may have seen in the Resident Evil movies, and then I will talk about that in a little bit. So in post-Raccoon City story arc time, Resident Evil Code Veronica followers Claire's journey after escaping Raccoon City, she is captured, trying to break into Umbrella's Paris facility and transported to one of their facilities. The facility is attacked by Albert Wesker's forces and becomes also overrun with the T-virus. Claire escapes and starts looking for her brother Chris while having to deal with Alfred and Alexia Ashford. Unbeknownst to her, Chris finds his way to the island and tracks Claire to the Arctic Umbrella facility. At the game's finale, Chris defeats the genetically Modified Alexia faces off against Wesker and escapes with Claire. Resident Evil Four follows Leon Kennedy's mission to rescue the daughter of, pres- of the president of the United States, who has been captured by a Spanish cult led by Osmond Sadler, the Illuminados. Instead Is of that
2: like Spanish for Illuminati, Illuminati. told you just add an O and you can speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you you get added. And I love it. I took one year of Spanish and nearly failed. And then I never had to take it again because they said, yeah, let's not take that shit. (laughs) Don't you mean not take that (laughs) shit-o? That's how I would have said if I was trying to speak Spanish to you guys.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Story time with Kate. So instead of T-virus infected zombies, Leon faces off against villagers infected by the Las Blagas parasites, which, Matt, I swear to God. What? What? I didn't say anything. Leon faces off against villagers infected with the Las Plagas parasite, which makes them unyieldingly murderous, but also maintains their dexterity and mobility, unlike the slow shambling undead that we have seen until this point. So this is why Resident Evil 4 is either liked or loved, because it changes the mythos of the world, and it introduces new... Um, new creatures for you to fight, new rules for you to fight by. And on top of that, it also starts to introduce this. um, It was already kind of that, but it starts to introduce the Resident Evil series into this realm of biopunk, which is a realm of science fiction that is specifically focused on genetically altered people and bodies and things like that so resident evil 5 concerns chris redfield's attempts to stop the, the to stop the selling of illegal bioweapons in africa help helped by shiva alamar the plot eventually involves albert Resker, wesker's plans to destroy humanity with the las blagas type parasitic life form called the ouroboros this is also the first time or not the first time but it's the first game that you really get to play co-op so this entire game you can play from start to finish as a team and that's honestly why it's my one of my favorites in the series five
2: mm-hmm. okay
0: yeah so it, it it's, it's really cool and it really it you have to do the same puzzles and yep. problem solving and it has the standstill mechanics of four but you have to work as a team and um, that's what i really liked about it
2: so since we're at 6, I did play the demo of 6.
0: Okay. Is that how you know why it's so bad?
2: Well, actually, I didn't have to know. I just knew the ratings were so horrible. But yes, the demo was awful.
0: <laughs> that was how it was with um, Operation Raccoon City. Oh, God. So bad. Okay. So, question, Resident Evil... Th- question, yes.
1: question. Just because I feel like we're getting deep into it. What is the Resident Evil games It's like in like the Peter Pipers and stuff? Is that like a separate thing or... Is that just like an extension of the stuff you're talking about?
0: Yeah, so Resident Evil also has a series of gun control games, and I believe that's what you're talking about because I can't yeah. remember it because I really only ever played House of the Dead, <laughs> um, but I think that's what it is because they're um, one of the things that is really cool about Resident Evil 4 is it brings that gun, that gun control aspect and that arcade aspect into um, into a game where you're sitting down and playing and blend it really seamlessly with a third-person shooter. Um, so I believe the gun control games um, like Dead Aim are, um, there's a series of them, and I think those are the arcade games that you're talking about.
1: Gotcha. Makes sense.
0: So Resident Evil 6 follows multiple protagonists. protagonists including Leon Kennedy, Chris Redfield, Ada Wong, and Jake Mueller, who become involved in a terrorist strike using bioweapons which result in the zombification of the President of the United States. The story involves a new, fast-acting zombie virus called the C-Virus, which has been weaponized by the NSA to induce fear in the general populace and the individual characters' attempts to stop it from spreading. Resident Evil 7 and this is the most recent game that came out and also one that is a love it or hated as well because it is an evolution in the series which i will get into in the book <laughs> why those so resident evil 7 biohazard puts players into the shoes of an ordinary man named ethan winters who wants to locate his missing wife mia and he has to defend himself against a strange family inside their seemingly abandoned house the game is the first main entry to be entirely shown in the first person view, which is new to the primary series, although some of the previous spin off games did utilize this viewpoint. And unlike the recent sequels, the game focuses more on what survival horror gaming was like prior to the action style route undertaken after Resident Evil 4 and similar games by having the player have to invade enemies more often, but there are still boss battles and puzzles to solve. Later, Capcom unveiled downloadable content chapters, Not a Hero, which focuses on the fast-paced action with the returning Chris Redfield and End of Zoe, with a more horror tone which focuses on the ill-fated Zoe Baker. Questions about the story? Do y'all feel like I covered it?
2: Uh, All I know is if I woke up and the news could possibly say what you read for Resident Evil 6, I would not be surprised.
0: Accurate.
1: <laughs> uh I think we thought we were talking about Resident Evil Seven there, Matt, but
2: uh Oh well she said about anything in the story.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Accurato.
1: That's racist, Kate. You can't Close. say that. <laughs> uh I know. I know. No, Resident that sounds that sounds about what Resident Evil Seven was like. you just kinda go into a house and this dude chases you around with like a chainsaw and shit. It's pretty scary. Especially when you play VR because it feels like he's right in front of you and it's messed up. So
0: for the but why those, the main one and the reason why this, I believe, this franchise has really stood the test of time is that it started the genre and brought new things to gameplay. So Resident Evil 1... Is the first reported game to be given the title of survival horror, and it and that has stuck and is used to define this genre. And we're talking about stuff like Dead Space, Evil Within. Um, Evil Within, Evil Within, is actually um, actually picks up a lot of its stuff from Resident Evil. And then on top of that, Resident Evil itself, it wasn't the first, and it is slightly based off of, I believe, the Japanese game is called Sweet Home. Um, but this took off and what it did in the gaming mechanics is what solidified it as the starter for survival horror as a genre.
2: Are you talking about any of the other ones or just that general type of one?
0: Just Resident Evil 1.
2: Okay, so like the slower paced ones I guess?
0: Yes, yeah. Okay. So so in the beginning, the survival horror specifically and where the shifts in 4 that some people don't like and gets back to in 7. It's slow paced. It's um, it's pretty much based off of this genre of horror, which is called containment horror. Stuff well, I, that happens. Okay, in so space. you mentioned
2: Dead Space. I'm considering. I'm I'm just asking if you're considering that in the same type of slow paced. Yes. Yes. So you I, consider I, that game slow paced?
0: Yes, I consider Dead Space slow paced mostly because with Dead Space you do a lot of backtracking in the ship and that is one of the key elements to survival horror is picking up things along the way and returning to spots before I think prey is I don't I wouldn't really call count Prey that but I know dead space for me I see that I think fear would probably lean into it more but the containment aspect of dead space and the backtracking of the game is what I think solidifies it as survival horror over something else I love dead space oh I love dead space
2: I've never played it but I fear watched. scary I've,
0: shit. I've I almost I I love that game it is yes it's that's terrifying. another game
1: where I got like five Awesome. minutes in and the little girl walks by me and I'm like nope nope mm-mm.
2: that's how I was I saw the commercial saw the I girl, messed like, up because nope, I played any it anymore. on my uncle's supercomputer and he has
1: like huge monitors and it felt like I was like right there and I was like nope not for me pass hard pass
2: so dead space when it comes out my brother would like to basically play like fear and dead space in complete darkness and I opened the door and he screamed at me
0: <laughs> dead space one is really really good Survival horror and it is terrifying and the creature—it's everything. Like, and it's like
2: mind fucked at the end. It is.
0: No, it really is. And the anime based on it is actually really good too. Yes. So, um, but yeah. So that that would be a survival horror game, in that.
2: Well, I figured that yeah. much. I just didn't know if you're because if you're considering that a slow-paced or more of a action-paced game.
0: Yeah, I think it's slow-paced. Okay. I there's a lot of action to it, but I think a lot of the puzzle solving and stuff you have to do in the interim before the boss battles are it's pretty slow paced for me, I thought. So as I've kind of said to this point, some of the main staples for survival horror is challenging players to carefully manage their resources, um, know when to evade rather than fight in a battle because a lot of the bosses in the Resident Evil series are unwinnable. So that means you can beat them, by knocking them out, but if you stay there too long or you don't have enough firepower with you, you actually will not be able to stop them and they will kill you. Um, so you have to know when to fight and you have to know when to run. On top of that, um, you have to solve intricate puzzles and these things become the core tenets of the horror games now, which I would also include, um, containment is a huge factor for me when it comes to a really good horror game and containment is, um, like like I was saying earlier, is a genre of horror where you keep your protagonist in a closed space. Um, Home Invasion movies are like this, as well as um, pretty much anything where you're locked in something.
2: I swear Home Invasion movies are so stupid. (laughs) They have multiple windows. Hop out a window, run.
0: As Adrian asked earlier, the trilogy of Gun Con games are known as the Gun Survivor series, and this is all first-person gameplay. But since it's not on, con- um, but it's not necessarily considered as um, the reason. Resident Evil Seven is different because Resident Evil Seven is the first time you played a fully related game, an immersed game in first-person, versus something that's really more arcadey. Um, so there is a strict difference between them um in length of game as well as difficulty of game as you're doing it it's not a shoot 'em up resident evil outbreak was the first in the series to introduce like a first person tutor shooter type game uh, wait wait what oh yeah it was the first in the series to support both co-op play and online multiplayer and this uh, Resident Evil outbreak was done to fill in with side stories between Resident Evil and Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3. It also brought survival horror into multiplayer shooters, handhelds, um, and it brought the horror movie style and story and scenery while also uh, mixing it with action. And you do lose some of the scares like Adrian and I said like with the dogs and that real uncomfortable feeling. Um, I would say in that, at like right before Resident Evil Four, and then immediately after Resident Evil Four, it's almost all like Lara Croft, Uncharted, adventure style gameplay versus um, the real scary, immersive survival horror. So, all this matters because without Resident Evil, pretty much starting this 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 love of horror games, you probably wouldn't end up with a Silent Hill being as big as it was. Um, Dead Space, Fear, and although I would solidly say Dead Space is better than Resident Evil, um, Resident Evil will always have a place in my heart because of what it did to set the foundation for all of these games to do well because a lot of the stuff that I love in Dead Space, I see as being brought from uh, like from Resident Evil. like Anytime a creature breaks a glass, I automatically think of those damn dogs. <laughs> um, and to have something like that that can stick well beyond its years, that to me is what makes a game last and what ultimately makes lets you do a franchise of 26 games, even though some of them suck, and keep coming back.
2: The physics in Dead Space when they're actually in space is awesome.
0: I didn't know that. I mean, it's cool, but is it accurate, Neil deGrasse Tyson? It's
2: probably pretty close. There's literally no sound. You fire, you hear nothing, you don't move, you can get propelled all the way. It's pretty cool, actually.
0: And it was one of, and some of the most scariest points in Dead Space are when you're in parts where there is no sound, because a lot of horror uses sound. And dead space does it without sound a that's lot. That's what I'm of saying. Times, so you're like in space. And that's space. what makes you more uncomfortable. Yeah,
2: you're in space, where there is no sound, and you're literally fighting in between the physics and actually having space of no sound. It makes it really crazy and intense. It's a silent, obviously, dead space. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 um, which, um, just to throw in some horror there, um, which is why I like the movie Hush, which is a deaf woman. Home invasion movie, and it is terrifying because it, yeah. I
2: wouldn't recommend that, Adrian.
0: Yeah, Adrian. Uh,
1: It's okay. I I wasn't going to. It's okay. (laughs) Don't worry about it.
0: (laughs) 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 So, another but why though is evolution. I've mentioned a lot of the turning points in the franchise, and that's because Resident Evil, for better or for worse, does not create the same game except for when it's doing remakes and director's cuts does not create the same game over and over again and it's constantly pushing itself to either keep up with the trends of the market and imbue a type of game like an adventure game with its horror style and with and to expand the mythos into these other genres of um of gameplay And a lot of people haven't liked that. A lot of people have liked it. Um, But the thing is, once Resident Evil takes its turn in 4, you lose some people. And then once Resident Evil takes its turn in 7, you also lose people. But a lot of the people who loved Resident Evil 7, which is what I'm going to talk about now in this evolution, but why though, love it because it brings it back to the origins of what Resident Evil was. So in Resident Evil 7, like I mentioned in the storylines, It is pretty much the horror being embodied by humans and not zombies or the absurdly more, um, the absurdly huge, more intricate, uh, genetically modified creatures, um, that you see in a lot of the later games leading up to this. That's fun. Creatures are fun, but getting back, and there were creatures in Resident Evil 1, but it was more building that sense of dread, um, and so, where other games were focused on scare through creature design, jump scares, and reveals, Resident Evil Seven aims to portray fear in the shadows of things we recognize by normal um, from normal life. And that is a direct quote from um, one of the people involved with the game. And by centralizing the narrative on a on people and a family and newspapers, they use this to build real tension for the long term. So they have this long term horror arc that keeps you scared throughout the game but that doesn't work in the end because you can't just keep beating somebody not killing them and have them come back you have a gamer has to be able to have that sense of accomplishment after defeating a boss not just having that boss come back later and so to fill in that Resident Evil 7 also has short-term kills which are more paranormal and more creaturey um, in style and design and play So it kind of caters to both while also making sure that it's trying to build that sense of containment that you had in the very first game of the series. Um, They also aimed for less cheesy dialogue and better voice acting, which if you've played any Japanese port, the translation is kind of crappy and the voice acting is either non-existent or really bad. Um, And so in Resident Evil 7, they really aimed for that production value um, to bring that up. There is still some cheesy stuff in there. Um, You're not going to get away from it, but they did do their best to kind of um, bring it into a more serious light. This game also brings you back to some of the original things that I mentioned before that make a horror survival game great and what make Resident Evil 1 great. Inventory management, limited healing items, enemies that can't be dispatched with brute strength and save rooms um, complete with relaxing theme music and puzzles that feel like they're straight out of the first designs. So even though the story has evolved, Resident Evil 7 was able to bring it back to this core gameplay and because of puzzle and collection, the level design also requires a lot of backtracking, which is something you lose as the series progressed and it's just more, okay, get to this person, I don't need to collect items as much, Um, I can find something off this dead body, everything's gonna drop for me, I'm done with this level, on to the next one, I never go back, and this doesn't let you do that. You really have to take everything into account. Um, And this is also, like I mentioned before, where it breaks the norm of the series and goes completely first person for VR, so it is kind of a money thing, but also for a more immersive experience. I personally don't like first-person games that much, just because I get motion sick, which is probably why I will never play VR. So, yeah. Anything on those two, but by those, or on that it could be a money
1: grab thing. But that game is scary as shit in VR.
0: <laughs> I think that means it did its job. So. This the It is also important because it is wildly successful. So there are comics, stand- standalone novels, novelizations, sound dramas, think podcasts but acted, um, films, animated sequels, action figures, and pretty much any other kind of media you can think of, they're on. There are like Raccoon City Jeeps and Starz cars and stuff like that. Um, there are giant haunted houses. And probably the most interesting thing is that um dc um the dc imprint wildstorm in 1998 started a small series of comics that then kept running um into the 2000s and it 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 expanded the universe in addition to also putting out novelized game um, novelized comics and uh books and it is also capcom's biggest franchise in terms of software sales So, there were 78 million units sold worldwide, and it's the 18th best-selling franchise of all time. It's behind stuff like Zelda, Sonic, Assassin's Creed, Tetris, Lego, and all the stuff Matt mentioned last week.
2: But it's also a little different, only because when we were talking about Assassin's Creed, essentially that came out in 2007 versus this one in 1996, so there is an 11-year difference. So, that's pretty good, but yeah, when you consider the time frame of what it's behind in some cases time can be inside
0: yeah and i and i think one of the things that may have messed with it it might have to do with having so many different ports of the games um just because that is something that i know financially does hurt um like platform producers i wonder if it actually factors into how platform sales are
2: yeah i'm not really 100 percent sure on how that would work
0: yeah so, Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2, and Resident Evil 4 all have multiple Game of the Year awards and have been placed on multiple lists as the best game ever. And Resident Evil is ranked 22 on the Best Gaming Franchises list by Complex. So, as we've talked up to here, these games are genuinely scary. And they're pretty good, too. So, if you look at the series, um, let's like not count a lot of the ratings for the one-off things that they do, and just look at the stuff of um, from one through seven, and these numbers here are the Metacritic scores. So it's me- it's their Metacritic scores on its on its first run. So the platform that it was supposed to be. So um, the Metacritic score for Resident Evil One is a ninety-one, and that's based off of its PlayStation game. If that makes sense to people listening, I know it's hard, but there are like ten different like ratings for all of these games and they can be as low as a 20 and as high as a 75 in the same game based on what platform you played it on. Um, So rating them is actually pretty hard. I try to think of it this way the first time it was released in what it was meant to be before it got ported that's the scores i went with so resident evil 1 has a 91. resident evil 2 has a 93. these are out of 100 by the way Um, i didn't oh yeah resident evil 3 i don't have the score for and i don't know why that's a misstep on me um resident evil 4 has a 96. code veronica sits with a 94. re5 at an 86. resident evil 6 is at a forty nine on the PS four.
2: It's actually a high and a number hi-
0: and a higher one on the PS three, but I can't figure out why.
2: Because I am pretty sure that might be a high number depending on where you look. Because I've seen it anywhere range between almost like a seventeen. Yeah, or so these like aren't that.
0: user based; they're uh, Metacritic, so they're not the the fan based one.
2: Well, I know, okay, but I yeah. mean, even some of the ranking ones, depending on which way they take when they take all the yeah.
0: Resident, Will- Resident Evil Six was bad. It probably deserves, like, a 17. And then the most recent one, Resident Evil 7, got in 88 across the board. And the Resident Evil franchise ranks 39 for best-selling games of all time from Tech Insider. Um, I actually think, um, yeah, okay. So, and also the fact that they're good is important because Resident Evil 4 has influenced a lot of what we see in games today in so far as third-person shooters gears of the gears of war creators have openly acknowledged that the importance of resident evil 4 to them was that it influenced how they did their mechanics for their over-the-shoulder shooting so resident evil 4 is also heralded as one of the most important third-person shooters in gaming history as well as one of the most important games in the resident evil franchise Um, It was canceled and restarted and the first, like the very first incarnation of Resident Evil 4 became Devil May Cry, which I didn't know prior to research, which...
2: I actually knew that, but I've played neither one of those games.
0: I've played both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this was because the Resident Evil team was really unsure with where they wanted to take the series. So this game, as I said, balances tactical action and ludicrous arcade style and weapons and it has really intricate vi- visuals to the point where Leon Kennedy's hair shakes as he's firing his gun. Also, fun fact, there is, a, if you saw Resident Evil, the movie where she's in the hallway with the lasers, um, Leon has a scene like that in Resident Evil 4. That's cool. Um, so, yeah. So, that is the games. We're done. Any questions? Wrap it up. We're done. <laughs> <with> the games. <laughs> so now we're going to move into the movies. So how many of the movies have you watched? What's your favorite movie from the, what's your favorite moment from the movies? And what's your favorite movie?
2: Um, so I'll go this. So while playing zero of the games, I've actually seen, I want to say I've seen four of the movies, but I do not remember the fourth one that well. And I don't really have a favorite moment. One, because some of the stuff like the first original movies came out so long ago that I do not remember that well. But I have watched those, and I actually did enjoy at least the first and second one. I try to act like the third one never existed.
0: I think the director kind of does, too.
2: And then the fourth one, I don't remember that well. And after that, it was turned downhill, and I didn't care anymore.
0: (laughs) What about you, Adrian?
1: I can't remember... The last one I saw. I think the last one I saw was probably afterlife, I think I'm two behind. That's okay, the that, fourth yeah.
0: one isn't it. Yeah, and then you yeah. have Retribution and yeah. Final Chapter for six. Um
1: my favorite moment. Which is the one where she like fights a dude with like the big like Gatling gun.
0: That is Resident Evil Apocalypse and she is fighting Nemesis. I
1: like that one. That's the only one I can like genuinely remember <laughs> like in my head is is the apocalypse one. Just cause that little girl is creepy as shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with that one
0: because the little girl was creepy.
1: And that last fight scene when she's fighting the big dude is kind of cool, and he's pretty cool looking.
2: <laughs> I find it hilarious when they try to like have these little children to like something, and all they end up being like little really really creepy, and you just want to like leave them. Yes. When the whole point is. But to then try to again, the them. whole
1: hallway thing with like the laser thing is also pretty cool. I don't know which one that one was, but that one.
0: That's the very first. So one. Like that first
1: one. seems pretty dope too. I can't I can't argue that. See, not being dope.
0: So for me, I have seen all of them. So it is 31 Days of Horror, which I am doing. I've been watching about three horror movies a day. And I have a job. It allows me to watch three horror movies a day while I do work. (laughs) So I watched all of them. And I have to say... I love this series like I really love this franchise and I know a lot of people don't and that's perfectly okay because there are a lot of flaws in it and I get that but the Resident Evil movie franchise is my Fast and the Furious and that's kind of where I'm at with
1: that. Hold on. (laughs) Don't you don't you put that in the same conversation.
0: Oh my (laughs) God. Who's made more money? Who's made more money? Fair.
2: Salute me, Familia.
1: Where your where your
2: rock where your rock spinoffs set.
0: But anyway, and the
2: third one just like Tokyo Drift, nobody cares. It, it is.
0: is. There we go.
2: <laughs> I can see that. Yeah.
0: Accurate. But I, I definitely see
1: what you mean. Like, I kind of just got lost because I didn't keep keeping up with it. Like, if I didn't keep keep keeping up with Fast and Furious, I'd be totally lost by like the seventh movie.
0: Yeah, I, I mean. So before I get into all of that, my favorite movie is the first one, because out of all six, I love them all. If they're on around me, I will watch them and enjoy the hell out of them, but the one that I will always put into my DVD player or in this new age of technology, open up in my Microsoft Movies app, will be the first one. I will watch that movie over and over again for a whole bunch of reasons, but it has two scenes for me and that is the dogs and the hallway scene and those are my favorite two scenes um i think they're great michelle rodriguez is awesome in it um but i think the cool thing about this franchise as we start moving into talking about it is that even though it's based off of a video game and it is it is the most successful franchise based on a video game you um,
2: realize that's not saying much
0: well, I know that. I think, it,
1: I think that says a lot, actually, because they've made a lot of money for movies based off a of video game. They've made quite a bit of money.
2: So, well, yeah. I know for so, that, for as much money they made, I guess the fact that, like, so many video game and franchises have just, like, failed I, but to the movies is, even have this many. But, but
0: see, but the, that's the thing, is it, I guess it is saying much because it, they made it to six movies due in large part because... They knew that when they spent $40 million on this movie, they would break that and they would be profitable. And they are pretty much flops in the States, but in Japan, and you can say what you want, Matt, like Japan has almost fully funded this entire franchise because of how much they love it. I, I, critics don't love it. A lot of fans don't love it. I do. Keep your slander to yourself. I, I enjoyed
2: it. the first two, and then the and then the third one happened. I think they're
1: super entertaining.
2: Because, I, I yeah, big action.
1: I see
0: them as action yeah, movies.
1: That's that's how I see it. Just action movies. You're not going in there like, to see so like Shakespeare have, or something, you know?
0: Exactly. No. And honestly,
2: if they would, I mean, much I enjoyed them. If they wouldn't have convoluted the last like the like the fourth one and up to like the last two where they have like I mean, they're just kind of side break with the plots that have nothing to so, personally like, really do in a flowing matter.
0: Like, like, I definitely agree there. I think the narrative does definitely break down after the first, um, the first two, the, the, the link to the third one is kind of there, but, um, four five and six are kind of separate and I kind of like it. And it doesn't bother me because they feel like video games, like the way that the way that for that afterlife retribution and the final chapter are shot feel like video games and I really, really appreciate that. Um, so it doesn't bother me. But, but I totally see why it does bother well, people because It's funny because I literally just did Assassin's
2: Creed last week in which I wanted this whole giant narrative and then did not like the last games, which basically threw out all narratives. Yes. So following that same format would be like, why I don't care for the last games. Yeah,
0: ones. No, and that makes sense. And I think for me, I'm so captivated with the main character, Alice... That I kind of don't really care about anything else. I just want to see her kick some ass. Um, and I see them as action movies. And that makes me happy. She
2: does make this whole series.
0: She does. Like In... if they would
2: ever bother to replace her. I don't. I mean I don't know about the Japan people. But I know it probably wouldn't even do
0: Yeah the so they are rebooting the series. Um, being produced by James Wan. Who is the director of the Conjuring franchise. Um, it could be good, but I just honestly don't see them doing anything close to this kind of stuff. Um, is The mostly... Conjuring
2: type of movie they tried to make really cheap just to make a bunch of money off of? No. They're not Pass movies. Well, I know they're not, but I think they did the same concept with The Conjuring, didn't they? Well,
0: the majority of horror stops out cheap because nobody finances horror. So now you have things like Annabelle Creation and The Conjuring 2 actually getting larger budgets and big budgets because they know people are gonna flock to it because they've established themselves as a franchise. The first Conjuring movie and the Insidious movies, um, he also did the Insidious movies, are low budget because they have to be because people don't really, um, they don't fund horror movies. Um, That's pretty much what it is. It's the same reason why comedy movies don't get large funding either. Um, And so after you establish yourself, you can then do other things um so yeah he could do good because he's good with horror but it would change it completely because the main thing that paul ws anderson the director of these movies did was he was a huge fan um going into the first movie mila jovovich um or jovovich we heard her on the radio where she complained about people saying her name i apologize mila i really really love you Uh um But Mila, the director, and Michelle Rodriguez were all really, really, really big fans of the franchise. Um, So Mila had actually watched it being played when she was younger with her brother, and uh, Paul W.S. Anderson had played them, and Michelle Rodriguez is a huge gamer and was in love with the series from the beginning. So when they came into this they kind of knew that they they had to please two audiences. You would have the hardcore audience coming in really wanting them to sorry. You wanted the the hardcore audience coming in really wanting them to do the game justice and do everything like it like it is in the game and then you would have then you would also have the outsider who's not familiar with the franchise, not being able to know anything when they come in. And so when it came to building out this franchise, Paul W.S. Anderson said, we need to do a protagonist who doesn't know anything, which is one of the reasons why Alice doesn't have any memories because she's supposed to represent the audience learning as we go. He really fought to make it a female lead. He fought really, really hard to make her a female lead because that almost didn't happen. Um, and the way it does service to the fans of the game, or the way I believe it does, is that if you, when you listen to me going down the story of these games, I'm 100% certain there are points in there where you're like, hey, that was in a Resident Evil movie. That was in a Resident Evil movie down to starting off in the mansion with the underground facilities to the nuking of raccoon city and you also have the casting of these characters and this is one of my but why those for it is when they bring in characters from the franchise they cast them so freaking well jill valentine in resident evil apocalypse is perfectly casted for jill valentine in the series and they match everything up same thing with wesker I think chris redfield was really done the stars team that inevitably that if that inevitably gets blown up reminds me of the stars team from the games and they also use weapons and it it does that part well so it's essentially taking the video game setting and putting different actors in it where they're not beholden to the mythos of Resident Evil, but that also leads to the breakdowns in narrative because all of a sudden they mention the Urabura's virus, and you're like, What is the Urabura's virus? Nobody explained this to me. Um, But you don't care because Mila Jovovich is messing shit up.
1: Because I was like, Wait, what? I was like, You're just like, Oh, I don't, you're right. I don't remember what that was or what that is. The Urabura. (laughs) Urabura. I'm I'm, I'm just going to say Urabura because that's what I thought you said. So I'm just going to go Urabura. Urabura ooga uga uga o
0: Yeah. <laughs> so the Uruburus virus is a mutated Les Plagas vi- virus. But they don't explain the Les Plagas virus either. You just know there's all of a sudden like zombies with their mouths like going like that. From yeah. Blade. Okay. So in the movies, this is what the Umbrella Corporation is. Um, and if you've watched the movies, I suck at synopsizing things. So... For my story arcs, I took for my story arcs, I took them from Wikipedia. These, I took them directly from the words of Alice because they intro every movie with backtracking of where you have been. You're
2: not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say you came up with this all on your own. Right? I would have just went
1: with that, and you no. you wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have remembered that they do that. I say I say you just I say you just do it, and then don't say that you did that personally.
2: Okay. And until okay. so one day, somebody's like, "Oh, that sounds familiar."
0: Um. So on Umbrella. They say that history is written by the victors. This, then, is the history of the Umbrella Corporation, formed by crusading scientist Professor James Marcus. Marcus had a young daughter, Alicia, affected with progeria, a progressive fatal wasting disease. Progeria caused premature aging. By the time she was 25, Alicia would have the body of a nine-year-old. Marcus was driven to save her, but the odds seemed impossible, and even as he worked Desperately to create a cure, the young girl's father would record his daughter, her voice, her likeness, saving her for posterity. But then the breakthrough came, Marcus discovered the T-virus, and once injected, it would, de- it would detect and repair damaged cells within the body. It was a miracle. The life of Alicia Marcus was saved, and the T-virus had a myriad of applications, treating a thousand different diseases. Overnight, it seemed a new era was dawning, a world without fear of infection, sickness, or decay. But it was not to be, for the T virus had uncertain, unforeseen side effects, i.e., bringing the dead back to life and, like, pretty much making the world die. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Is it, that, was it really that bad?
0: But what did it do? <laughs> <laughs> Um, So that's a little bit of the corporation that Alice is fighting and dealing with through these six movies. Um, And on the first five films, this is the background of that, with the exception being that the final chapter is literally just Alice fighting to kill the entirety of the Umbrella Corporation finally, kind of save an already completely wasted world, which kind of seems stupid. Um, but like there's like this mutated cure that like saves people and it, it's really weird so on the first time films my name is Alice I worked for the Umbrella Corporation the largest and most powerful commercial entity in the world I was head of security at a secret high tech facility called the Hive an undergr- a giant underground laboratory developing experimental viral weaponry there was an incident, a virus escaped a lot of people died There was, uh, the trouble was they didn't stay dead. The computer that controlled the hive was a state-of-the-art artificial intelligence, the Red Queen. The Red Queen responded to the threat of the viral outbreak in extreme way. She went homicidal. The Red Queen attempted to kill everyone. Whether they were infected or not, I managed to escape, but this was only the beginning. Vile outbreaks spread like wildfire, first across the United States, then the world, The T-virus didn't just bring the dead back to life, it mutated them in terrifying ways. Despite the apocalypse they had created, the Umbrella Corporation continued to experiment with the deadly virus. I was infected, but the virus bonded with me on a cellular level. I developed powers, I became different, powerful, unstoppable. As I got stronger, the human race became weaker. I tried my best to lead the survivors I could find to safety, but we were pursued relentlessly. Even my friend Jill Valentine was seized and brainwashed by Umbrella. Finally, I confronted the head of Umbrella Corporation, Albert Wesker. He robbed me of my powers, but I still managed to defeat him at last. We thought it was over. We thought we had survived the horror, but we were wrong. Once again, we found ourselves fighting for our lives
2: very stereotypical that they always make artificial intelligence go homicidal.
0: Except... Or homicidal. Well, yeah, but it's also because it's the idea that, like, they can make the tough call and say, I need to kill everybody to save everything. Because she couldn't let everything escape, so I don't think the Red Queen was a bad person, personally. That's pretty much the entire storyline. There's a whole bunch of other stuff in there because the story does get convoluted. Uh, Adrian, does that kind of refresh yep. your memory you got a little it now.
2: bit? I'm mean it. <laughs> Bam, done. Don't need to watch the movies.
0: Yeah, great fight scenes. Accurate. Like I said <sighs> before, one of the main but why those is because it is the most successful video game movie franchise and also the longest running. On on the list of top 15, top 15 grossing movies globally, the first five movies are... Um, the first five of these movies are are on this list, and this list was in 2016. Um, but once the sixth came out, it was put right below Angry Birds. So, <laughs> yes, Angry Birds, as Adrian has mentioned before, is the second highest grossing video game movie of all time. It just
2: really is back to. I think that goes back to my point.
0: And I'm also going to include the Rotten Tomatoes scores for the fact that this is the most successful and the lowest rated series at the same time. So the first Resident Evil grossed $102 million worldwide and it has a 34 and certified rotten. (laughs) Resident Evil Apocalypse has 129 million, made 129 million dollars globally and that sits at a 21. Resident Evil Extinction has 148 million and it sits at a 22. Resident Evil Afterlife made 296 million and that sits at 23. Resident Evil Retribution has a $240 million gross globally, sitting at a 30, and Resident Evil, the final chapter, grossed, as of now, a whopping $312 million globally, and is sitting at a 35%.
2: When did the first one come out?
0: Um, so yeah, so the series goes from 2002 to 2017.
2: They're global and not actual just like US or yes, anything? Yes, those are
0: global. The US numbers are really small. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So the bulk of the money, and the bulk of the money made globally, a lot of it comes from Japan, as I said before.
2: Still race it still beats a lot of the uh, superhero movies.
0: It does. Obviously, one of the biggest but why those is the fact that it is a female-led action series, and she's a complete badass, and it doesn't only just go with that, it is the fact that Mila Jovovich herself is just awesome awesome like she is a big but why though for this series because like matt said earlier she makes it and it has to do with the way she plays alice so um also as a side note or not a side note but I didn't necessarily talk about the representation in the video games themselves. There are a lot of really great female characters there that really explore um, all types of femininity, which is really awesome. Um, I just was really hyped about talking about the development and stuff for once instead of just talking about representation. So I didn't mention them. Um, but I am mentioning it here because played by Mila Yovovich. Alice is a really unique character, and she's unique to this series. And like I said before, it was done so that she could bridge that gap between the hardcore fan and the, uh, you know, the casual fan or somebody who never even knew about it. Um, Alice is a character much like Sigourney Weaver. Um, in Alien or Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2 and she is made specifically to be an action hero and detached from a lot of the feminine tropes that are often associated with female characters and um, but even though this happens she definitely does have emotional and familial connections with the people around their, her even though they keep dying um and some of it's kind of forced just because they aren't with they aren't on screen a lot so but she genuinely cares is that about like people
2: in there because i thought at least in the first one it seemed like and I believe the first two she doesn't seem to be very emotionally attached to anybody
0: yeah so it more becomes so the way i would explain her emotional attachment um, that comes towards the end. Like, they give her a daughter in um, in the sixth movie, kind of like Ripley. Like, there are a whole bunch of clones in this underground facility where she's being held, and essentially they run different scenarios, and in this one scenario that she ends up entering, it's a clone Alice with um, a cloned version of the girl she saves in Apocalypse and a clone um, uh, Agent Olivada... Um, and they're like a little family and everybody dies and Alice ends up walking into the house walking into the house and finds the clone daughter and that becomes her daughter and she gets super attached to her and tries to save her and everything like that just because I think because it's a kid um and that's kind of forced um but her overall emotion connections to everything else comes from I would say the same way that we see emotional connections shown in men in action movies, a lot of it has to be has to do with um, protection and um, offering safety and genuinely valuing human life. Um, that's something that's really important to Alice as a character.
2: Is that later? Because I swear in the first second one, she didn't seem to value human life that much. At least the first one.
0: Well, the first one, you don't really get that because she doesn't know anything about herself and she's completely skeptical of everybody that she's around. Right. So that, that's why that's that's like that in the first one. And it grows as she becomes more aware of who she is. So like one of the reasons she why. She becomes corrupt. Got it. Anyway. So one of the things that I really like about this is. You get to see Alice evolve as a character from somebody who knows absolutely nothing about herself. To somebody who develops a sense of self. Um, and it's ultimately guided by the need to take down Umbrella. She is for all intents and purposes, a strong female character. And the reason I don't have a problem with her, like I talked about in Arrow with a lot of their characters, is we actually get to see Alice's development from somebody who is essentially a newborn um, in that state with no memories and not understanding the world around her into somebody who will single-handedly take down a corporation that has led to the destruction of the world. And you get to see that growth and you get to see this growth shown in mila's capability as an action star this really um i mean you have her as lilu in the fifth element where you really know that she can do flips and tricks and things but it's in resident evil that she really grows into her own as a action um as an as an action hero i would say and one of the reasons that it's really cool is Mila Jovovich does all of her stunts except for the ones that um, her husband, the director, um, Paul W.S. Uh, Anderson, deems too risky for her to do. But the majority of them she does. In Resident Evil 2, there's one where she's running down a building. Uh, Mila Jovovich did that. That was her. Um, she does a lot of her own fight choreography. Uh, She does all of her own fight choreography um, unless it involves like too big of a fall and then, um, then she's swapped out for that fall moment and then she also does a lot of her own like flips and kicks and all of that stuff. And when you watch Resident Evil 1 to Resident Evil 6 you actually get to see her growth from somebody who kind of knows how to fight. And there's a lot of cuts to somebody who is all in her own and you totally believe that she jumped up and is pulling herself over a recreation of that hallway scene. And it's just, it's great. It is really, really great.
1: I agree. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, mean, I think the reason why, why these movies work so well, and even despite, you know, the whole franchise thing and being below Angry Birds, uh, like we talked about, you know, <laughs> Back in the day, with the Tomb Raider movies, the reason why it works so well is because it's like the video game, and you know, despite crazy storylines and stuff, like the action sequences and the way like they do the characters and stuff is basically like the games. So, and she's awesome. I, I, I third, I third your assessment that if she wasn't in it, it wouldn't do so well. It's just like with Aliens, nothing without Ripley. This thing is nothing without Alice.
0: And what do we say on the podcast when all three fact. of us agree? Fact of it's life. It's a fact. <laughs> um so when we move past Alice, you also have other female characters that are really 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 great and really hold their own and don't you never get a damsel in distress here for the most part other than when Claire Redfield's trying to kill uh Alice because she's like brainwashed or whatever um but you get Jill Valentine mostly and Claire Redfield and it doesn't seem like a lot but there are actually not a lot of main characters in these movies pretty much everybody there is to die um and these are two of the recurring ones and personally for me seeing Michelle Rodriguez in the first movie it was so awesome because like regardless of whatever stuff i guess controversy surround michelle rodriguez one of the main things she does as an actress is she made it her goal to only play strong empowered female characters and never play that like um that latina seductress or stuff like that like she's going to be a badass in everything she does and i respect her for that and this was one of um other than girl fight on mundos like every weekend this was the first time I, re- I like, really looked up to her and the characters that she played. And because she was such a big part of the first one and one of people, like, the majority of people's favorite parts, they did bring her back um, for the fifth movie, Resident Evil Retribution, as a clone version of herself who pretty much takes on the Alexia storyline from the games where they mutate her with the virus and pretty much make her indestructible. And she, like... One inch punches somebody and breaks their rib cage, and it's awesome and it's so great. And there's a brown woman at the center of that, and it makes me very happy. And she's a well done character. Um, it's not just thrown in there. So, do
2: they end up killing her then? Yeah, she's kind of a bad person. Yeah, she dies.
0: Okay, well, she doesn't die, she just gets trapped under the ice, surrounded by a horde of zombies because technically she can't die because the, Uru, the Urubu virus makes it so that you can't die because it's like an extremely hyped up version of the t-virus um but she yeah she effectively dies <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so like i said um I also just think these movies really matter because the games sometimes reference stuff that was only in the movie too. And you get to see that nice crossing of streams where it's just really good creatively. Go and look at the version, the version film versions of Leon Kennedy and Ada Wong and Jill Valentine and even Wesker and they're pretty damn good. Um, especially because casting is really hard. Um... And a lot of the baddies are really well done too, to really reference things you see in the games. And that's all I have. Cool. What did you guys think? You
2: like waved.
0: <laughs> Final thoughts.
1: <laughs> oh, I was I was applausing in sign language because I was drinking water.
2: So as I said, <clears throat> I will probably still never play any of these games because I just do not like the survival horror genre at all for games. I do like the story of Dead Space as I said And I enjoyed that I still have never actually played that game I just watched somebody play all three games But I probably won't play games As far as the movies I probably one day eventually will finish watching all of these It was intended to do that I just never did And then between the fact that they started making them And it kind of got so convoluted And then when you start doing that I just really zone out And I don't care anymore
0: (laughs) We own them now we don't own so, all of them. Yes, we do. I Why bought- do we
2: own all of them?
0: Because you were away and I needed something to do and I bought them all. Why? For research! I couldn't come and do an episode on Resident Evil without seeing all of the movies.
2: Why could I not leave without you just buying a bunch of things?
0: I'm oh, so cute. Yeah. Adrian, final thoughts. <laughs>
1: I will probably also never play a game again, uh, especially if it's in VR. But I do appreciate what they do for like the genre of the horror video game. Like, if without this, I don't know. Without Resident Evil, I don't know if you'd ever have games like Outlast or Evil Within or even like The Last of Us. Um, So I think they do a great job there. Uh, I'm a sucker for video game movies, so even if they're not like the most (laughs) you know Shakespearean drama, I mean seeing zombies get shot in the face and seeing rip or uh, seeing alice like scissor kick people is, is pretty awesome so kind of like i'll you, I'm not gonna watch lie, them, them eventually, eventually
2: someday the <laughs> i don't know why i know they're terrible but i'm like i think i'm gonna try this out <laughs> and then i always regret it
1: like i i
2: i, I That's except not a video
1: for game. the angry birds movie
2: i would not consider that pass. a video game
1: movie hard pass
2: And if you believe it's a video game movie, you need to go grab a dictionary and figure out what a video game is.
0: I think, for me, I'm able to do with the Resident Evil series something that I'm not able to do with comic book movies. And that's... And that's to really just accept them for what they are. But I think it's how Paul W.S. Anderson set these up so that they were there but not there at the same time. I think it really... I will defend them From everything people say. um, Because I just think they're great. And I want to go buy. Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. So go out of town. And I will do that. So we also have uh, fan. But why those before we wrap this up. And the first one is from. Our awesome friends at Game Boys Podcast. Make sure you go. Check them out. And listen to what they have to say. On video games and things. And they say. I think Resident Evil 4 is overrated. played the games completely out of order. By the time I played 4, I'd I'd already played through 5, 6, and 1, as well as other horror games such as Dead Space, Fear, and so on. The version of RE4 I played was the port to the 360. That was a bad one. And had the gun controls mapped to the left stick. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. Had I played it back when it was released, I wouldn't have minded. But we've moved so far beyond the shit GoldenEye controls that it soured the whole experience for me. Stopping to aim and then shoot all with the left stick. Overall, the experience felt clums- clumsy, slow, and incredibly dated. And maybe it was just the port or my headspace at the time.
2: All I want to say is one of the benefits of playing video games as left-handed.
0: In defense of the stopping, um, the stopping to aim that was done. To um, make you think what you were doing out. So since you can't run and shoot, you have to decide whether you actually have the ammo, the pow- the firepower, or the med packs to actually defeat your enemy or if you needed to make a run to that ladder to get out of the way. Um, so that's why it was like that. But when you are used to playing um, easily, mo- like free moving games, it really, really, like, it's hard to get used to. Our awesome friend, Noelle, who is podcast host of Heil on Life, um, where I did an interview, um, at YFAOFM says, The Resident Evil movies matter to me because it shows how a badass female actress can be. The only stunts Mila doesn't do are the ones that the director won't allow her to do because she could actually die. Other than those... Um, other than those few, she does them all herself. And she included an awesome GIF of Mila Jovovich. At 24-7 Halloween, 24-7 says, So I've been a fan of the franchise when I was nine, and I was watching my dad play RE2. It was terrifying to me, but other than the memories of spending time with my dad, I loved Resident Evil 2 because it introduced me to Claire Redfield. Tomb Raider was out too, but I never i never looked up to Lara croft the way i looked up to claire redfield she was out looking for her family didn't know what um what was what and took care of a little girl and helped leon keep his stuff together all while being compassionate and powerful to this day i still love re2 in all the games but there's a special part of my heart that i still in a way admire the video game character also her voice actress at a court at a courtroom really just empowered females and little gamer girls like myself at the time RE2 came out at lost treasure pod says a pioneer in survival horror that managed to evolve experiment and pull in many other genres over time for better or worse um, at pistol whip press says it did zombies before zombies were cool and then he asked do we really have to talk about the movies <laughs> yes We do at last treasure lost treasure pod. We do. Um, At canned canned AirPod says finally tuned claustrophobia. Always get it. Always gets to me how how constrained and alone those games make you feel. At least the first and the latest. And at Buff Geek Podcast says first adult game I ever played and played and played and then bought the original trilogy on the PS Vita last year to play and play dot dot dot. <laughs> so people love our the Resident Evil games. Um and I think that's that. Sweet. So as always, you can find our lovely podcast at but why Though PC on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash but why though PC and you can find me and all my Twitter shenanigans at OMYMythrandier. Adrian
1: Yeah, you could find me now that my life isn't crazy, um, on Twitter at super reese 93 uh with wedding picture album stuff to come in the near future my uh, star wars wedding who kate and matt came to thank you love you guys
0: it was fun you had the 501st there i had to come and take pictures
1: no oh, thanks i'm glad that's the only reason <laughs> you drove <laughs> nine hours
0: exactly it was more like 10 but she yeah. didn't drive you drove five back <laughs> in the dark it's like 10 anyway matt and you
2: can find me on the Twitter at DATM18DATTM18. And bye.
3: bye!
2: Help me if you can.
3: It's just this. It's not the way I'm wired, so could you please help me understand why you've given in to all day? Reckless, drunk desires You're lying to yourself